Well, this morning we're continuing on with our series and uh, looking at the church. This is actually the, the final one. We, uh, we started by looking at the making and then meetings and mission, and last week was multiplication. Uh, this the message, the message that the church has uh, for the world. And then next week, we're actually going to be going through a book. We're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians, and uh, it's going to be a series which will probably uh, extend for quite a while, and we might break it up with some other series as well. But that's, um, that's what's coming up after, after this one. So when we, when we think of the message of the church, uh, about the message that we have, uh, another word for that might be, might be gospel, the, the good news. What, what is the message that we hold as the church uh, for, for, for our community, for this world, for the nations? And it's an interesting one to think about. If, if I was to ask you, or if someone, not myself necessarily, but if someone was to come up to you and say, what is the message of the church? Or, or what, is the, what is the gospel? Um, I'm wonder, wondering how you would, you would respond to that. And I think what we, what we could be absolutely assured of is that if we were to, to write that out as a transcript, that they would all look very, very different. Um, there, there would be lots and lots of similarities and things that kind of um, that keep resounding right throughout all of them, and yet the actual uh, makeup of how we express that looks very different. And we, we also see that in Scripture as well. Uh, it's, it's interesting that when we look in the Bible and we kind of look for a summary, uh, so often you just want... Which, Please, would there just be a summary of, of everything we kind of believe? Um, a summary of the gospel. And we're going to read one of them um, soon. But it's, it's very, very hard to find. And it, it makes me ask some questions. And it, it, it may kind of suggest that, uh, that the gospel is it's, it's not simplistic. It, it, it moves throughout all sorts of different areas of life. And there's all different complexities and... and um, intricacies uh, that make up this gospel message. You see that when people are, are writing tracts or, or trying to write the gospel message, and, and what they tend to have to do is they have to pick passages from all different parts of Scripture to make up a cohesive uh, kind of message. And I, uh, I actually think that enriches um, the gospel message rather than taking away from it. But Paul in Romans 1, in the letter to Romans, he says this about the gospel. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. So at the end there, he's picking up that this is a story that has been written throughout history, and, uh, and, it, and it, it, it started with God's people, the Jewish people, but it has extended to all peoples on earth. So it is, the, it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believe. So this message that we're entrusted with, it, it, is, it is significant and it is, it is incredibly important for our world. It's, it's incredibly important in our lives and, and it's, uh, it's like this treasure that we've been entrusted with. This treasure that we, we haven't just been entrusted with to keep to ourselves, um, but to actually spread. If we look at 1 Corinthians, 
Um, here we go. First Corinthians chapter 15. My Bible was in the back of my car the other day, um, the last kind of storm event, and it leaked. And I've kind of got all this, everything. Do you know how your Bible kind of sticks together when you get, when there's all humidity and everything? So it's, it's quite an adventure for me. Um, because it's, what it's doing is it's showing me, oh, I haven't been in this section for a while, um, because I have to really um, carefully undo it. I've saved every page so far, so um, it's, it's showing me the places that I haven't been. So here we go, I haven't been in 1 Corinthians for a little bit. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, this is Paul again speaking. Now brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you. So this, this should be this should be a good soil for finding out what the gospel is. I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you, what you received, on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you of first importance. Here we go. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. So he's talking about, this, this has been promised, this isn't just something out of the blue, this is something that scriptures have been talking about. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of our brothers and sisters at the same time. Most of them who are still living. So, and then he talks about some who have fallen asleep or who have died he also appeared to James and all of the other apostles. And lastly, he appeared to me also, um, also to one abnormally born. So what we see here is that um, Paul is Paul's making some, some points about the gospel, about this good news. One of those points is that the gospel, the message of Jesus, it, it comes to us in the midst of a, of a much bigger story, a bigger story that has been being told throughout history, especially through the, the people of, um, through the Israelites, um, God's chosen people. But what it also says, he takes, it's interesting, it's this, it's this little tiny section here that kind of gives a summary, and then it goes and starts to name all these people that actually saw the events. So, so what this is saying is that the, the gospel message, the good news, it's, it's deeply rooted in uh, real historical events, stuff that actually took place. And fortunately for these people, um, the Corinthians, they could actually go and meet some of these people. Uh, he's saying some of them are actually still alive, and, and this message is so true that if you want to check it out for yourself, um, I, I know it seems out there, but head back and uh, speak to some of these people that I've mentioned here, or find one of these 5,000 people 500 people that actually saw him uh, raised from the dead. And I, I'm sure there would have been lots of pilgrims at that stage. They hear about the gospel in some of the outer edges of the Roman Empire, and then they, they say, hey, um, if, if you don't believe this, go, go back and, and ask for someone who actually saw it. And they would have been able to go uh, either to some of these neighboring sittings or to Jerusalem itself and say, is there anyone here um, that, that actually saw these, these incredible things that are said to have happened of Jesus. And I'm sure that shopkeeper would have said, hey, uh, go down three houses down the road. Uh, uh, Jack is in, probably not Jack back then, but um, Peter, we'll say Peter. Um, Peter is not, not, yeah, someone's over there and you can speak to them and hear firsthand about the message. 
Um, unfortunately, we can't do that today, but we can, we can read about the accounts of, um, of the gospel message, about what Jesus did, and also the effects that it had on his followers um, that came after him as well. It's wonderful as well that the Holy Spirit, as we read about what Jesus did, because it's true, and because God wants us to know this, there's a sense that the Holy Spirit is active right now and he confirms that uh, in, in, in our hearts. There's something supernatural that happens there as well. And, uh, and that would make sense, that if this is God writing a story into history, that he would confirm that when we hear that in our hearts. Let's, um, before I pray, it's, uh, it's, it's, it just want to note that there's, even in this account, in 1 Corinthians, when Paul is saying, I'm going to summarise the gospel for you, there's lots of stuff missing, isn't there? There's, there's lots of stuff I, I was thinking, um, there's, there's really no way of, of how, how, to re, how to respond to Jesus, repent, believe, that's not in there. Um, what about future hope? Doesn't speak much about that. Um, it doesn't speak much about uh, a number of different things, that we, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit or... Uh, that we're, we're being transformed into the likeness of Jesus um, as soon as we come to follow him. Uh, so many things that, that we actually need to complete through the, for this full measure of Scripture. Let's pray before we continue. Father, we thank you for, for this message that you, have, that you have first given us, that we have heard. I, I thank you for... Lord, this room represents so many people that shared a message with us. And Lord, we we just bring them to mind right now and we thank you for them. We say thank you that they brought the message of truth and life to us so that we could respond to that. Lord, I thank you for for that. This isn't just a message, but this is is you, Jesus, who do a work in our lives. And Lord, you've you've entrusted us with that message of what you have done. And uh, Lord, we pray that as a church we would be faithful to that and that we would see many, many come to know you as their Lord and Saviour. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We, um, as a church, we have a message, but we, we also need to understand that what's happening is that we're, we're always sending a message. Um, that's, that's just what it is to be, to be human. It's, um, it's, we're, we're always sending messages. I, I think about um, even when you, when, you, when you see a politician, it's uh, in the news at the moment, uh, they're sending a message even before they open their mouth. If, uh, if you see one of the... Do you know how there's um, politicians all over our streets at the moment? Um, they're even sending a message, even with those, those posters that they've got, what they're, what they're wearing, um, even their, their, how, how old they are, their gender, um, what party, the colours that they're using. There's messages being sent and, uh, before, we, before we even get to hear anything that they say. And we're, we're making assumptions right away. That's just, it's part of life, it's, it's how, we, how we navigate life, and what we find is that actually happens in the church as well. It happens not only in the church, but, um, but the messages are being sent all the time about, about this church. I just put about this church and, and the church uh, in general as well. Everyone hears a pre-message before they hear the message. So there's always a pre-message being heard by people about, about Jesus, about Christians, about the church. And we've been, we've been very um, 
intent to, to, to focus on that message a lot, and I, I, that's really important. Paul says it's, a, it's the power of God unto salvation. And, and yet what, what, what is still really important as well is that people hear a pre-message that would prepare them to actually hear the message. Because what often happens is that the pre-message actually stops them from even wanting to hear the pre-message. It distracts them from the, from the actual message. And sometimes we don't even get past that. So I want to, this morning, uh, we're going to spend some time actually just looking at the message. I'm going to do that right at the very end. Um, but what I want to step into now is, is the, the pre-message that people hear. I've got some photos up here, first of all. And uh, now there's, there's pre-messages that are being heard all the time. As, as people drive past a church, uh, there, there are pre-messages being kind of sent out. And uh, we've, we've got lots of cars always in this place, so at least um, people think some, there's, some, there's some life, there's some stuff happening in there. Mow and Grow team does a great job, which is, uh, which is wonderful. Um, but even church structures or church buildings, they, they send a message. Uh, well here we've got, this is from the internet, so um, free to use it, I think. Uh, here's... Having a great time there. I don't know. I've got no idea what they're doing. Um, but us as people from our church, when we're in the community, we are, we are sending, we are speaking a pre-message in a sense. Whenever people come in contact with us in, in life or in, in, in business, at school, uh, they're, they're getting a message about Christianity, about, um, about this church as well. And uh, there's also a whole heap of different messages coming as well from, from all sorts of different places that people are hearing. This one's some of the stuff that's been in the news recently, and that shapes people's pre-understanding, pre-message of, uh, of what the church is all about. When I was thinking about what Australians think about the church, uh, there's some research been going on recently, and it's, it's actually quite positive. Um, people have a, a, a fairly positive uh, outlook on the church. It may not even seem like that from the media, but when they do the research, it, it is quite positive. Some people may think that uh, it's just a group of people with this kind of harmless delusion. Um, that would be, that's, that's not, a, not a majority. Um, some people would go the, the other extent, um, that it's a, a harmful delusion and it's actually doing harm. Uh, that's kind of growing a little bit in our culture. But um, I think that the general understanding of, of uh, what the church is and the message that people have from the church is, is basically, here we have a passionate group of people, they're meeting together and uh, they, they seem to be enjoying themselves. Um, that it's, it's, and and they, can, they can do their thing, basically. And I, I think we... We, we understand some of that because that's part of our everyday life. The other day I was out in Redcliffe and uh, I, was, I was doing something with the kids in the car. I think we were picking something up and it wasn't quite time, so I thought um, we'd already been to the swimming area and we were looking at something else to do. So I saw that they had a Botanic Gardens and uh, went to the Botanic Gardens and the uh, Redcliffe Botanic Gardens, probably you don't need to put that on your list, no. Um, <laughs> 
outside the front of Botanic Gardens, they've got this um, pretty nice little building there, actually. And I thought, I wonder what this is. And kind of looking at it, they had a trailer there, and it was a, a gem and precious stones club, um, of all things, on the Botanic Gardens. So gem and precious stones. And this kind of perked my interest. I thought, well, what, what do you do in a gem and precious stone um, club? And I kind of looked in the windows, and you've got these, um, these microscopes there, and obviously they look at them really closely, and um, there's like benches in the middle where they can share their, swap their rocks and stuff like that, pictures of rocks. And, and my reaction was, oh, that's nice. They must be a really passionate people about rocks. Wonderful. Um, but I had no inclination of, uh, of ever going to this rock place. Um, they can do their thing, and I'm, I'm really happy for them, but um, yeah. Uh, we've got, we've got other, other places I was in, uh, just at Ipswich the other day, at, I think it's, it's Queen's Park or something like that, wonderful park, and there's a croquet club there, and it was happening. Like, uh, they were out on the veranda there, and it was a nice sunny day, and they were all eating and drinking, and people were playing croquet out there, and they feel, seemed like they were having a great time. Um, but again, I'm, I'm not really interested in, uh, in playing croquet. Uh, my, basically, my reaction was, I'm glad they're passionate about that, I'm glad they're having a great time, and I kept going my way. Even organisations like the, um, the SES, uh, they do an extraordinary job. Um, and sacrifice in time and, and money, and, uh, and, and even put their life on the line to help people and uh, have, a, have a really good standing in our community, and, and we feel grateful for them. And we see the little SES buildings, and we, we're grateful for that, and uh, I think they do a great job. I'm sure that um, I, I would call them if I needed them, when I needed help. But basically, um, the way my, my life is, is, is organised, um, I'm not really interested in joining the SES. I'm glad that people love being in the SES. Um, we've got some people here that were and are in the SES, um, but uh, I wonder whether that gives us a little bit of an insight into how people actually, uh, when, they, when they drive past this building, when they, when they meet someone that's in the SES or in a rock club or in an AFL club or in a church, I wonder if that's a similar way that they're responding as well. That's great. Glad you're passionate about that. Um, I've got other stuff going on in my life that I'm passionate about as well. Now, that's, that's a little bit of an issue. Um, in fact, it's a, it's a really big issue. It's a really big issue because we're, we're not just passionate about rocks, and we're not just passionate about AFL or even about helping people. We, we believe that... That, um, that God has actually given us a message and that message makes a massive difference. That that message actually brings joy and peace and a purpose and life itself. And without that life, there's death. We need to think about how we interact with our community. I think we, we actually need to think a little bit like missionaries. Coming into an area, we, we, when, we, when we went to Togo, 
I, I came with this storehouse, with this, this treasure, which was the gospel. I knew, I, I, could, I knew the, the difference that it had made in my life. I knew the difference that it had made in, in countries as, as the, um, the gospel had gone forth and, and transformed people. But, but I had to think, how, how am I going to, to, to help this people understand this message in a way that actually makes sense to them and, and is actually good news to them? And how do, I, how do I even win the right to be able to speak in, into this culture, into this people? How, how, how do I do that? We've, um, we've, tried, we've tried a number of different things that uh, have had, had significant amounts of success in the past, really. Um, I think of the, the summarising of the gospel message in, in like a tract form. Um, that... that worked uh, really well, and, and it, it still does at, at some stages, but nowhere near to the degree that it used to, when you used to have people with an understanding of cultural Christianity. Um, it's, it's th- things are changing. Uh, we, can, we can no longer just get uh, a stadium and, and put a, a choir in there and, and get a speaker from, from another country and get him to speak. God did amazing things through that. But if we hire a stadium now and put a choir in there, um, it's going to be pretty empty. That's the reality. Uh, another thing that we've, we've done as, as churches is, is if only people have a, a bit of a, an, an, an interaction, because they just, don't, they just don't come in contact with Christians enough. So maybe if they come in contact with us a little bit more, that it might help, and, and that has helped in the past. And, uh, and it continues to, to have some degree um, of, of success as well. There are things like um, when we do things like Christmas on Kayanua and, and a food ministry and, and markets and stuff like that, allowing people to come in contact with Christians and, and uh, the gathered people of God, they're, they're good things. But um, if, if we really have a message that makes such a significant difference in people's lives, we, we need to start to think about these things. Are people who interact with us that way, are they actually getting to a, to a point where they're actually able to receive the message that actually transforms people in a, in a way that, they, that actually is, is received as well? Got on that next slide there. Um, we all know that we need to hear the gospel um, before you believe, and uh, that's that's imperative. That's, that's what um, it, it's it's that's why why Jesus sent us with the message because we we need to hear the gospel before we believe. But we know that there's there's there can be a number of different steps there, and and one of the most recent things is is belong before you believe. Um, people often belong to a community. Um, before they actually believe. I, I think of, this is where a lot of our ministries, like Girls Brigade and Boys Brigade and Threads of Friendship and, um, and Cameo and Youth Group, this is a, it's, a, it's a very powerful tool in the, in the hands of the, of the church to have uh, people gathering together with the people of God because as you, as you rub shoulders and you start to see the, the work of God in people's lives and, uh, and you start to hear the message then uh, we've seen uh, n- numerous people come to Christ that way. Um, even, even our service here, there's, there's multiple people, even here, that, um, 
that, that belong to us and, and are still trying to assess um, where, where Jesus is in, in relation to them. And one of the things I really try and, uh, and do is, is to have a bit of a, um, a Shrek service. Um, uh, absolutely no idea what I'm talking about there. Um, they've, done, they've done study after study after study asking adults, what is your favourite children's movie? And uh, time and time again, they say Shrek. Um, and that's, that's interesting. And so right at the very beginning, Shrek was designed, the writers of it designed it to be, to be appropriate, maybe not appropriate, but um, appealing, we'll put it that way, appealing to children and appealing to adults as well. It was, it was designed like that as well. And, and my, my hope is that in our services even, that no matter where people are on the, on the journey, that there's a sense of, um, of something that we're getting out of, of coming together, um, to, to come together as the people of God. Uh, and, and that changes as we, as we mature as well, because it, it, the, even the mentality changes of, of not what we're getting out, but what we're able to, to give when we come together as the people of God. Belonging is, uh, is incredibly important. The other Sunday, do you know uh, Easter Sunday? Uh, we, had, we had quite a number of people that, that came for Easter Sunday. And one of the things that was remarkable for me, uh, not remarkable, but, but very interesting, is I went straight out the back there and very, very few people um, kept leaving. Uh, most of them did a left-hand co- turn uh, over to the sausages. I think it was the sausages that, that, uh, that pulled everyone out there. Uh, maybe it was the Easter, um, the Easter buns there, hot cross buns. But uh, it was great to see that almost everybody moved out there. Because part of, part of belonging, um, if, if you're a believer, belonging is so important, but also um, belonging in a community before belief is really important as well. And that's why... We're, we're doing things like these, these lunches and stuff like that because it's, it's important, the sense of family, the sense of belonging. We're, we're a community. And uh, soon we're actually going to be looking at uh, making some, some adjustments to our kitchen, improving that, uh, putting a, a bit of a, a cafe out there and, and stuff like that, which will be talked about in our members' meeting. Uh, that's something worth coming for uh, because hospitality is so incredibly important. Last one is this encounter before belief. We see this. Um, we see that, that the disciples, when they followed Jesus, they belonged before they believed. If you remember uh, when, they, when they were with Jesus on the, um, on the, on the boat and the, the waves came up and he came out and he calmed that, uh, their, their response to each other like was, who is this guy? Um, it, it developed for them. They, they belonged as a, as a discipling group around Jesus, um, but it wasn't until really, until uh, almost his, his return um, and, his, and his resurrection that they really got it. Uh, they, they belonged and, and their belief developed. But also encounter. We see that uh, throughout Scripture, encounter was something incredibly, incredibly important. Uh, this this is a depiction of the, the woman at the well. She in, in, in encountered a Jesus who, who knew her, who, who knew her deeply. And uh, 
We, I think of the Ethiopian eunuch um, in, encountering God, or I think of Paul encountering God. I think of uh, the, those people that were in the temple space when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the church and um, people were speaking and they were hearing their, their language. They, they heard God. There was an encounter with God. And I think that in this next season, I wonder whether we're coming to a season where people need to have an encounter with God before they, they, they believe, but even before they belong at times. One of the, one of the ways that we encounter God is, is the stuff that God just does. Um, he, he just does stuff like he did in the life of Paul, just, just appeared to Paul. And, and I, I, I want to pray as a church that God would be doing that in our, in our community as well, that he would be um, waking people up to his message in, in only the way that he can do. Uh, we've, we've had a, a number of people come because of some, um, because of RI that they did when they were a little, little kid and something's going on in their lives and it's, it's kind of sparked something in them. We would pray that God would be, be um, encountering people. But I also think about the, uh, the involvement that God invites us into. And he's inviting us to partner with us in seeing God's encountering people. I wonder whether it's, it's not enough just to be a nice person. The other day I was down on the road here and there was, a, just on Saturday, there was a, a, a pea plater that uh, jumped over the, the centre, lost control of a car, jumped over the centre medium strip and went straight into two other cars just in front of us, about 50 metres in front of us. And I pulled over straight away and got out of the car. And, but all around me, there was people that came flooding out of their houses, probably because they couldn't be anywhere else, but flooding out of their houses, all people stopped and they came rushing over and they put blankets around them and uh, they were, they were um, there, was, there was seemed to be someone with, with every car making sure they were okay. And that was, it was real heartening. Um, for, for our nation and, and, and for our society, that there would be that love and that care. But what doesn't often happen there is you, you don't often stop and ask, why do you do that? I know, I know that's, kind of, that's, that's been our message for so long, is that um, we, we love people extravagantly and, and someone will ask us why. And uh, the reality in our culture is it just doesn't happen that much. Um, it, it will sometimes, and especially as we get to know people and that relationship kind of really deepens, people will ask us why. Uh, but I wonder whether there's some other things that we can do that they may encounter God. And one of, one of the most powerful things I think we have is actually prayer. Um, that when something's going on in someone's life, then we would just say, do you think I might be able to, can I pray for you now? What that's doing, it's, it's a step of faith and it's, it's actually saying, God, would you step in? Would, would you give this person an encounter with you? And, and to step out of faith and say, God, would, would, would you show yourself to this person? Lord, would, would you heal this relationship? Uh, would, you, would you work in this relationship with their son right now? Lord, would you, we want to lift up to you this, um, this, this, this need that they've had. And Lord, I pray that you would work miraculously in their life and show yourself to them. I wonder whether there's coming a time when we need to take 
into a next stage of encounter, really partnering with God and asking him to step in in people's lives. Encounter to believe. We're going to be talking about that um, probably over the next, uh, in, in the second half of this year, how, how we as a church can be praying for people that we know, um, stepping out of faith and seeing God uh, encounter people, seeing people encounter God in, uh, in new and fresh ways. We have a message that is, that's transformed us and a message that can transform those around us. I, I wanted to finish by kind of looking at that message and, um, and examining that a little bit. But uh, what I actually decided to do was I, I wanted to... I've been wanting for a while, there's, there's people that God kind of just encounters, and they start looking around at, uh, looking around the internet and around at churches, and, and uh, what, what is this all about? And I wanted to have something on our webpage that people could go and, and could kind of uh, listen to or, or interact with that, that kind of gives an overview of the message um, that, that we as a church have. And so instead of, instead of doing that here, I actually decided on Friday I'd go into the little back room and, and record something that might go up on our website. Now, I'm not sure if it's actually going to make it through because the audio was pretty dodgy and, um, and I'm not a camera guy. I've got the lights in there, got the camera, but still. Um, Phil's in the back there and he's on the camera and he's going to be going, oh no, when he sees it. But um, I do wonder whether we're coming into a stage where God is going to start encountering people. We actually have put in our, our budget, it doesn't actually cost that much, to um, run some, some Facebook ads. You might see them come up in regards to, to our church. And it sounds a bit weird, it sounds a bit out there. Um, but the reason why I want to do that is because I, I believe that there may be some people that God is tapping on the shoulder. And they're kind of going, what, 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 what do I do with this? And I, I want to show them a... a, a direction towards God's people. Um, so we're going to be running some of them in the, in the next, um, uh, over the next year. But I want to uh, just put up this video now that I made. Um, it's just a, a bit of an overview of the message that we have, uh, hopefully in a way that our community might understand. Well, hello, my name's Andrew and I'm one of the pastors here at Wyndham Baptist Church. And I'm so glad that you've navigated your way through to this page. You know, we exist as a church because we believe that there's hope that can be found in Jesus. We also believe that Jesus is the answer to humanity's most deepest desires. And that's really important to know because the reality is, is that each one of us live in a broken world. And not only do we live in a broken world, but that broken world affects us each individually. And there's something in us that just senses that this isn't normal. There's a, there's a cry in our hearts that just say uh, it wasn't meant to be like that, or, or at least it shouldn't be like that. And you know, a creator God would agree with us. He would say, absolutely, it wasn't meant to be like that. But it's not all bad. Life, life can be really good, and we can get glimpses of what it was meant to be like. But have you ever noticed that no matter what we see or get to experience or get to do or um, no matter how much we have, there seems to be in the human heart this insatiable desire for more. And I, I wonder where that comes from. 
Here the author and uh, the academic C.S. Lewis who taught at Oxford. He, uh, he said this, If we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. The wonderful news is that God has made it possible for all this to be a reality. I want to explain to you how this happens um, through the use of three circles. When we look through the pages of history and we look at the world now, we see brokenness. Things that cause us to say, it shouldn't be like this or it wasn't meant to be like that. We find that brokenness sometimes even touches our lives. But even worse than that, in our most honest moments, we can see that the brokenness is actually in us also. But what we also see is traces of beauty. Beauty like what we see in a sunset or uh, the last of a child. And it's because of God's good design. When he made us, we were not meant to be affected by death or disease or suffering. But starting with the very first people, we as humans, we chose to go our own way and leave God's perfect design. In essence, we chose to say, God will do it our way. In the Bible, these decisions that make and cause brokenness, they're called sin. You know, it's interesting that we can actually sense this brokenness in the world, and we even sense it in us as well. And we don't like it. We try to escape it and shield ourselves from it. Some, they try and get out on their own by climbing the ladder of success or of work or school or um, another area of life. Others, they try to get out by doing good things, living a life for others, and these are all great things, but they don't get us out of brokenness. Some others, what they do is they try and drown out the brokenness with alcohol or something else that's addictive. What the human experience really is, is that no matter what success or power or wealth or um, distraction that we pursue, we find that our attempts ultimately are temporary. We find ourselves being snapped back into brokenness like a bungee cord. But God loved us so much and he didn't want us to stay in brokenness. So what he did, he did something for us that we couldn't do for ourselves. He provided a way out, a way out of brokenness. And the way he did that was through his son, Jesus. You see, Jesus, that's, that's God in human flesh. He came down into our world. And he lived a life to show us not only what God is truly like, but also to show us how to truly live. But not only did he do that, he came and he allowed himself to be killed on a cross, taking on the deep root causes of the problems that cause brokenness. But he didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead, affirming who he claimed to be and everything that he promised. His resurrection, it started a movement. A movement that started with a handful of people and spread to millions and millions of people across this planet from every nation on this earth. He died and he rose again so that we could be restored into relationship again with our Creator and His perfect design. And Jesus, when He was here, and He still continues to declare, that if anyone would turn from their ways, trust in him for life, and follow him as king, 
that they would not only be forgiven, but they would be given God's life. They would be given the Spirit of God that will continue to guide them along the path of life. Meanwhile, he invites us to partner with him, to go with him, to work sacrificially for the healing of the brokenness that we see all around us. And also to tell others about the one, Jesus, who calls us to follow him and promises to fulfill our deepest desires. Remember that quote from C.S. Lewis. If we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. I'm wondering if there's something going on inside of you right now. You know, it would make sense that if what I was saying is actual truth, then the creator of the universe, the one who this story is all about, it would make sense that he would be confirming that in your heart. Just as he has already done for so many throughout history, and he continues to do even today. May I pray for you? Creator God, our Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would bless the person who is watching this video right now. Would you confirm to them both the truth of this message and your presence with them? Holy Spirit, would you show them your presence in a way that they could sense? Open up their hearts that they may truly see you. Confirm in their hearts that you are the answers to their deepest desire. Thank you for your promise to forgive, to save, to give life to the full, to anyone who would turn and trust and follow you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.